0: Alright, Brother Martin's going to come up. It's, we've been glad to have him. By the way, one announcement I did not make, the Filipino ministry. Right afterwards, I have a brief meeting with you over here. We're going to talk for a little bit about the upcoming anniversary. Glad to have Brother Martin with us. Of course, been in the college, he's preaching the school chapels, and uh, just been with us and been a blessing, and so we're thankful for him. This is his last time with us uh, this time around, and so let's pay, a, uh, let's pay attention and hear what he has for us today. Let's give him one last warm Pacific Baptist. Welcome as he comes. All righty. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And uh, it's been a joy to be with you over these uh, few days that we've had together. And I always look forward to coming out. And I wish my wife was with me, but hopefully next year she'll be able to be here. And uh, I hope the messages have been a challenge, but an encouragement to you also, and um, to just keep on going and live for God. Amen? He's worthy of it, that's for sure. Um, I want to read something to you here that uh, somebody gave me a while back, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, it the, the title, it just says, What Time Is It For You By Life's Clock? You know, as we get older, and I, I can... Relate with this now, as I'm getting a little bit older in my life. We begin to look at life and think, man, you know, uh, uh, seems like I was just a, a young man just a, a couple of days ago, and now I'm an old man, and uh, and the time flies by. And uh, what somebody did was they took a, uh, uh, a timetable, or uh, they they prepared this thing. It's uh, a mathematical parallel made of a 70-year lifespan with a 24-hour day, and so it, it just causes you to do some serious reflection in your life and where you're at and what, uh, how much time you have left. Just think about this, and I'm going to read right on down through it. If you're 15 years of age in life's clock, you are at 9.51 a.m. If you are 20 years of age, you're at 11.08 If you're 25 years of age, you're at 12.25 p.m. on life's clock. If you are 30 years of age, you're already at 1.42 in the afternoon. If you're 35 years of age, you're at 2.59 p.m. If you're 40 years of age, you're at 4.16 p.m. If you're at 45, it's 5.33 p.m. If you're 50, you're at 6.50 p.m. on life's time clock. If you're 55, it's 8.17 p.m. If you're 60, it's 9.34 p.m. If you're 65, some of us are already past this, but it's 65, it's 10.51 p.m. And if you're 70, you're right at midnight causes us to stop and take a look at our life and how much time we really truly have and where we're at on that clock, if you would, in life. But God wants to use us, amen? He wants to use each and every one of us. I want to give you a simple thought tonight, Uh, maybe just try to encourage you a little bit here. And, um, you know, Revelation chapter 4 and, and verse number 11 says this, It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Notice, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. It's very obvious from this verse of Scripture that God created all things. I just wish the world would believe that. I wish man would believe that. And that all things were created for His pleasure. Um. What do you think here maybe that it means when it says in the Greek, all things? It's real deep. It means all things. (laughs) Everything was created by God, for God, for his pleasure. Uh, I love uh, Psalm 19 in verse 1. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Amen. Amen. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9, in the last half of the verse, it says, God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Amen. God created the sun. God created the moon. God created the stars. God created the trees. God created the rivers and the rocks. And yes, God created man. All for his glory, for his pleasure. Psalm 145 and verse 10 says, All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord. God can even have a donkey speak for his glory. Balaam's ass, you remember the story there where the donkey spoke. You know, it tells us that if man would not praise God, the rocks will cry out and praise him. Amen. Everything is his creation and everything was created for his glory. I want you to look with me, if you would, at Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look here tonight at this passage of Scripture. And this is uh, when God called Moses and um, was trying to call Moses out to follow him, to do the task that he'd called. Now, leading up to this, you know the story about what's happened with Moses. I mean, Moses realized that he was a Hebrew and, and he was really being raised in Pharaoh's home and he had all these great things going for him, but he couldn't deal with it in his life that, that he was a Hebrew and all of his people were in bondage. So he tried to stand up and rescue his, the uh, Hebrew people there. He killed an Egyptian. You know the story. And uh, boy, everybody came after him. And he ended up fleeing. He went to the backside of the desert and he, uh, he lived in Midian for the next uh, 40 years or so. This is where the story picks back up. So he's probably somewhere uh, close to 80 years of age here. And it says in chapter 3 of Exodus in verse number 1, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Oreb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, And the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned uh, aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. I read through this passage of scripture and probably the natural thing is you're, you're thinking, well, Brother Martin's going to preach on Moses tonight, but I'm really not preaching on Moses tonight. Well, I, I want to preach about just a simple little thought here about a different part of his creation. You say, what is it? I want to preach on that little bush. The little bush, yeah, the little bush, it was as much God's creation as Moses was his creation. And, and God wanted to use even that little bush to bring glory to himself. Can, can I just get ahead of myself a little bit here tonight? But I want to tell you what, if God wants to use a little bush to bring him glory, if God wants to use a donkey to bring him glory, If God wants to bring a rock, use a rock to bring him glory, how much more you and I that can communicate with him, how much more do you think he wants to use our lives to bring him glory? It says here in chapter 3, in verse number 3, and Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. Stop and think about that. Here's the bush, it's burning with fire. What happens when a bush begins to burn with fire? It just consumes away. Not this time. No, there was a fire burning in that bush, but it was not burnt or consumed. And it drew the attention of Moses, and he said, I want to look and see what this is all about. Thus God got his attention. So I want to speak on this little thought tonight, why the bush was not burnt. Why the bush was not burnt. I want you to look at it in the light of your own life. You might be going through some things right now in your life. You might be going through some struggles. You might be going through some battles. You might be going through some, just some things that you're questioning God. Why am I doing this? Why am I going through these things, God? And I'm going to, hopefully this message will get you to see a little bit tonight. It's not about you. It's about him. And it's about what he's trying to do through your life. So let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you'd bless the next few moments we have to spend together. Lord, help me to be a help to your people. That is my desire, Father. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. You'd be lifted up tonight, Lord. And uh, your people, maybe some are just going through it and battling and struggling right now. And, and maybe just some of these young people need to get a hold of the fact that they are your creation. And you so long and desire to work through their lives to bring yourself honor and glory and for their good also. Lord, would you help us tonight? And the simple little thought, and we'll be careful to give you the glory, for it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. I just want to uh, draw a few statements or applications from this scripture to encourage us tonight. Uh, Again, if God cared enough to use uh, his creation, a bush to work through, how much more does he want to work through your life and mine? You know, so oftentimes, being in the fire department and dealing with what I dealt with in the fire department and uh, uh, the, the college kids asked me some questions when I taught this week and, and they said, you know, uh, do, you, do you deal with uh, PTSD from what you saw and all that kind of stuff? And I said, you know, there's things you go through that you just can't get out of your mind and, and the ones that, that I can't get out of my mind preacher are the suicides that I would run on and especially hangings and, and things like that. And, and you sit and think about it. Uh, these people get to a place in their life where they feel like that they don't have any hope or there's no purpose whatsoever. So many times, people will leave a note behind when they commit suicide and say they didn't feel like life had any purpose whatsoever. Let me tell you something. God's already told us that our life has purpose for Him. And He wants to use it for His glory. So why the bush was not burnt. Four statements, just four statements I'm gonna give you in a few illustrations. The first one is simply this. Because God wasn't trying to consume the bush, his creation, but use it for His glory. You, you know, when things are going on in your life, God's not trying to destroy your life. Some people think, well, why, God? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you? Hey, listen, it's again, it's not about you, it's all about Him. Amen. And He just wants us to be that yielded vessel so that He can work through our life. This little bush was obviously yielded to its creator, and God was able to speak out of that bush. Again, verse 1, And Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Oreb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burned. The truth of the matter is, consuming it wouldn't bring as much glory to himself as not consuming it. And, and that's exactly why our lives, when things are going on in our life and happening in our life, it's not that God's trying to wipe us out or God's trying to, because that wouldn't bring glory to him, but not consuming our lives brings more glory to him. Amen. Now I'm going to use an illustration here and don't brand me a liberal or because I want you to stop and think for just a moment. How many of you like sports? Okay. I enjoy sports. I like sports. Uh, I was home with my wife, caring for her uh, uh, a month or so ago, and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, my wife and I had sat down and I told her that I'd like to watch a little bit of football, and it was the NFL football game. I know, I'm a, I'm a compromiser, brother, but so uh, we're sat down to watch this, a little bit of this football game, and, uh, and what happens right in the middle of the football game, this football player goes down. And um, he has a cardiac arrest right there in the ball field. Pretty amazing. How many of you know the story of that? You know, okay. It's a pretty amazing story. He goes down on the ball field and, uh, man, they came over and they began to work on him. They, you know, this is a, our, our society is a crazy society over sports, okay? And, uh, and, and everything is focused on this, but, man, it stopped everything, When looking at the life of an individual that might be gone. All these people, they started saying, let's pray for him, let's pray for him. Even on national television, they're saying, let's pray for him. Uh, and there's people on the field, all the football players are on the field, they're kneeling down, they're praying for this guy that, that God would, uh, you know, and I don't know how many of these people know the Lord or whatever, but they're praying. Hey, the, the announcers and everybody, hey, they even stopped the game. I mean, you, you got to be kidding, you stopped the, the game? You know, typically in our society, well, pull them off the field and just keep on going. No, they stopped the game. They prayed and they, they begged God to do something in this young man's life. And you know the story, God spared his life. Now, now listen, I'm not saying anything about that young man because I don't, I don't know uh, much about him and I, I don't know if he even knows God at all. But he is God's creation. Amen. 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 And I'm going to tell you what happened that night. It wouldn't have been anything for God to just take his life away. But it sure brought a whole lot more glory to God by not consuming his life and having people turn and call out to him. Amen. I what mean? Whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're battling, whatever you're struggling with, hey, just look to the Father, amen? He knows what's going on and he's, he's the one that's allowing you to go through it and uh, he's not trying to consume your life. He wants to use your life for his glory, amen? I was thinking about Years ago uh, uh, my son Ben my second son was sick and, and uh, we were uh, I was still in the fire department at the time and we were um, uh, my wife was headed to the church for a, uh, a baby shower for the ladies and he was really sick and he needed to go to the doctor and I said I'll just take him I'll go and so I had to get on the highway to take him to the um, to the doctor it was like 25 minutes uh, away from us and uh, so I'm go- coming up to the highway there and I'm driving one of these little Pontiac Sunbirds. How many of you know what a Pontiac Sunbird is? Okay? One of those old little tiny, well, it was a T1000 they called it. You know, that's a fancy name for sunbird. <laughs> And uh, so anyways, uh, I'm, of course, I'm a fireman at the time. I mean, i strap in. He's so sick that he is, he's just continually thrown up. And, and so I said, Ben, bring your pillow. Put your pillow against the door. Um, he brought his bag with him to take care of business. And, uh, and uh, I said, I'll get there as soon as I can. We'll see what the doctor can do. So we're coming up to the highway. And as you get up to the highway uh, to get on the highway, Uh, there was a little, uh, there's a lake there and you have to kind of go around that lake and then there was a a south service drive and then we had to go up over the overpass to get on the other side to go westbound. Well, as I come around that little curve there around the lake there, I'm driving along, I'm probably doing 35 or 40 miles an hour and all of a sudden, boom, there's there's a big F-350 super cab pickup that blew right through that service drive, driving but 60 miles an hour and hit us right on the door where my son's head was laying. It hit our car so hard. There's five lanes of traffic there. It, it There was skid marks for about three or four feet, and then the car went airborne. You say, how you know that? Because there was people coming over the overpass that stopped to help us, and they described what they saw afterwards. The one lady said, the best way to describe what your vehicle looked like, it looked like a football player kicking a football. That little... Pontiac Sunbird skidded and then went airborne. And when it went airborne, it went all the way across those four lanes of traffic and it turned around and went up the embankment backwards before it came to rest. By the time it all happened so fast, it was a blur. And, and I look over when we came to rest, there's glass everywhere, Everything shattered. I look over, the driver's side door is caved halfway into the seat. Not only was the driver's side door caved halfway into the seat, the frame of the vehicle was caved halfway into the seat. I couldn't see my son anywhere. I'm screaming, Ben, where are you at? Ben, are you okay? Where are you at, Ben? And all of a sudden I heard a moan and I looked down. I couldn't get my seatbelt out because it had locked itself. And and I looked down, I heard a moan, and he was buried in the footwell, head first into the footwell. I, I took my hand, and being a firefighter, I, I palpated his spine going down to see if his back was intact and everything was okay I got down to his head and his head was pinched together like that It had like almost like a point here where where he had been crushed man I just started crying out to God it's one of those times that you don't have time to stop and try to word a prayer in a specific manner You're, you're just praying oh God please would you spare my son's life God please would you help him the, the ambulance crew got there. We, we pulled him out. The ambulance crew were guys that I worked with, same ambulance crews that I worked with in the fire department. And, and they told me right away, they said, we can call for med flight, but we'll be a whole lot faster if we just load him and go. And they loaded him in the ambulance that night. Man, I remember I crawled in the ambulance, and I, I just knelt down beside the gurney there, preacher, and all I could do was just cry and say, God, please, would you spare his life? God, please, would you, would you help my son? God, please, We got to the hospital. They wheeled him out. They took him in. They began to run brain scans and CAT scans and all that stuff. And they took me and put me in a room. And they said, we'll be back to get you when we find something out, when we know what's going on. And all I'm doing is pacing the floor. Oh, God, please. God, please, would you spare my son's life? Lord, please. Would you please hear my prayers? Would you please? It seemed like an eternity. But it was probably about an hour, hour and a half later. And then, boom, the door kicked open. And they began to wheel my son in on the gurney. He was still on the gurney. He was still strapped down to it. And as they were wheeling in in right away, I said, son, I said, son, can you hear me? And he said, yeah, dad. I said, son, are you okay? And he said, I think so. Man, I went over and looked at him, preacher, and his head was back down to normal. There was no break in the skin or anything. Uh, The doctors came in. (laughs) Here's... The doctors looked at me and they said, well, sir, we don't know, you know, we don't know the accident. We, we, all we know is what they told us and um, we've taken him in. We've run all these tests. We've run all these scans. There's no bleeding in the brain. There, there's no, there's not even a break in the skin of his head, his back. You would think his spine would be damaged. There's, there's nothing wrong with his spine, sir. We can't find anything wrong. You say, man, what a story. What a, no, what a God. Amen. What do you mean? Hey, I'm going to tell you what, it it wouldn't have been as much for God to just wipe and take him out right there. It wouldn't have brought as much glory to God, brought a whole lot more glory to God by sparing Ben's life and raising it back up again. Ben's uh, serving the Lord today in church. He's faithfully in church. Hey, I don't know what would have happened, preacher. I don't trust myself. I don't know who I am. Hey, what would have happened if my son would have died? Would I be in the ministry today? Would I, I'm going to tell you something. Hey, God was just trying to get glory in my son's life and that's all he wants is to get glory out of your life. Too. Amen. He's not trying to consume you. He's not trying to wipe you out. He's not. He just wants glory out of your life. The second thing, reason why I, I believe that the bush was not burned is because God's purpose with the bush was to simply draw attention to himself. It had, again, nothing to do with the bush. It was his creation but it had everything to do with the God who created it. Can I tell you something? It's the same way with your life and mine. Whatever we're going on, whatever's going through in our life, God's purpose in our life, in his creation's life, is simply to draw attention to him. Amen. Man, if you live your life to be seen, if you live your life to be lifted up, if you live your life to get praise and honor, if you're living your life for that, you're missing out on it because that's not why God created you. Amen. He wants to get glory in and through our lives and he wants to be lifted up in our lives. It's never about you or me. It's always about the creator. I can remember years ago, there was a, uh, a, a man that came to the church up there in Gaylord when I had uh, helped start that Bible, the Bible college for brother Jenkins up there. Uh, there's a, a family that were, they were in their forties and uh, this man left his work. I mean, he left a, a six figure job. I'm, we're talking um 20 22 23 years ago he left a six-figure job to come up to go to bible college with five children and I um just get a job he delivered pizzas just so that he could make his way through bible college him and his wife and uh his wife when they got up there she started going through some hard times her mom and her dad passed away I mean within six months of each other Man, I tell you, the devil's throwing darts at them, you know, but they were beginning to wonder, you know, is this really what we're supposed to do? Are we really supposed to, you know, be doing this? Or, uh, you know, are are we just stepping way out on a limb some way? And uh, and then she gets the news. Uh, She has some things going on in her life health-wise, and she goes in and finds out that she has cancer. She's got breast cancer. The doctors check her out, and they say, well, it's stage 3 Late stage three, early stage four. We don't know what's going to happen here. So she has to go through this. uh, She had to go through surgery. She had to go through chemo and radiation. So extended period of time. And uh, boy, when when these things just start compounding themselves and going on, again, the, the natural thing to do is, God, I'm just trying to serve you. God, I just want to, why is this going on in my life? But that's not the way she approached it. You know, it was amazing to watch that this, this lady through all, through surgery, through chemo, through everything, she missed one Sunday of church. The ladies in the church all were, were, felt so bad for her and all the struggles that she was going through with this and everything. And, you know, they wanted to be an encouragement to her. So whenever they'd see her in church, they'd come up to her and, and try to encourage her and, and A lot of times they'd break down and start crying, you know, and trying to hug her, and she'd put her arm around them and say, it's okay, everything's going to be all right. She ended up being the one that was encouraging them, rather than them being the one that encouraged her. When uh, she began to lose her hair because of the chemo and the radiation and everything, and so she had to start wearing wigs, and for you ladies, us guys can't, you know, I ain't got no hair, so (laughs) We we don't understand what your hair means to you, but God says it's your glory, it's your covering. And, boy, she started losing her hair, and all these ladies are so worried about what she's going through and what she's dealing with. And, and, uh, and one day she came in, and she said, here, hey, ladies, come in here. I want to show you something. And she took them in the back room. She pulled her wig off and showed them her cue ball, she said. <laughs> what? It's just, you know what? It's just hair. God knows what he's doing. I'm just going to trust the Lord. Amen. What are you saying? I'm going to tell you something. God was getting the attention in this lady's life. You say, where is she at today? She's a pastor's wife in Arkansas. Still living, still going on for the Lord. What are you saying? No matter what we're going through in this life, it has nothing to do with who we are, but it has everything to do with he is. He's trying to draw attention to himself. Amen. So why don't we just stay yielded to him? Amen. Just stay yielded to him. I can, I think of so many other stories. There's a man, young man that was in our uh, Church up in Gaylord years ago, and he was a uh, tree cutter, and uh, was out cutting trees one day, and uh, fell in trees. They were they were clearing a whole big uh, uh, expanse of uh, pine trees, these old pine trees, and uh, they were just cutting them and toppling them and, and trying to clear this whole area out. And uh, it was in the winter time, and he was cutting and um, cut this one tree out and. What happened was as it began to fall, the top of the tree snapped and came off. He didn't even see it coming. And the top of that tree came down. These trees are 100, 120 feet tall. The top of that tree came down and hit him right in the head. The other man that was working with him, the man that owned the business, found him laying in the snow, blood all over everywhere. Uh, his head was caved in here where it hit him. Hit him in the forehead, crushed his forehead, and went into his Uh, into his head. They took and they called the ambulance. They called a med flight. They flew him from northern Michigan down to southern Michigan, put him in the hospital there. And um, for the next month, they did not expect he was going to live. They put him in the uh, neurovascular trauma unit in the the hospital there for brain injuries and all that. And uh, I was on the road traveling and I I told uh, the boss, I knew him real well, and I said, I'll stop by and see him. He said his wife is down there. She's living with some people down there. Um, but Joe's, Joe's a mess right now and uh, don't know if he's going to live. So I, I went by to see him and I'll never forget walking into that trauma unit, uh, that neurovascular trauma unit. And I go in and uh, I walk in and they uh, come to the uh, desk and I ask them where, this guy's named Joe Bobway, I said, where's uh, Joe Bodeway, And they, they said, well, he's over here. And so I go to the room there. And as I step in the room, I, I wasn't prepared for what I was about to see. I and mean, his head was big, as big as maybe three basketballs. Uh, they had had to go in. They had to peel his scalp back and go in. And they tried to put a uh, something across his forehead to protect his brain. But. They had him strapped down because every now and then he would just go into these convulsion kind of things, preacher. And and he'd begin to shake and tremble and he'd be jerking on the things. And while I was there, all of a sudden, the alarm started going off and everything stopped breathing and all that. And they gave him virtually no chance to live. I went by and visited him one more time. Through that, I got the opportunity to witness to his wife and his children. They're just a young family with four little boys. And they started coming to our church through the bus route. And uh But Joe had gotten away from church a little bit, and, and this was an incident that happened in his life. It, we didn't know what was going to end up becoming of it. I visited a couple more times. As far as I knew, he was still there. My wife calls me. I'm on the road traveling, and she says, you never believe who was in church tonight. I said, who? She said, Joe Bodeway. I said, are you kidding? She said, no, I'm serious. I said what in the world? I said, how is he doing? She said, well, he doesn't look the same. He sure looks a lot different now. He said, but he was there. I got an opportunity to see Joe after that and talk to him a little bit. And, and Joe, Joe said this to me. He said, Brother Martin, he said, you know what? He said, I was starting to drift and starting to get away. He said, God had a purpose in what he was doing in my life. It's, it's pretty amazing that a guy can do that after what he had to go through. He should have been dead. He said, but God had a purpose in my life. And here's what he said. He said, I don't want God to ever have to try to get my attention like that again. But wait a minute. God spared his life. Why did God spare his life? It wasn't about Job. It was about God trying to get glory out of his life. Amen. Whatever we go through, it's for the purpose that God wants to get glory and God wants to draw attention to himself. Amen. Amen. Third thing is this, why would Bush was not burnt is because God's desire was to speak through His creation, out of His creation, to call someone to serve Him. Now think about that. You know, God wants to speak through each and every one of us. We're His children. If you're born again, He wants to speak through you. He wants to use your life to call other people to service unto Him. Amen. Just like a little bush that didn't burn and he spoke out of it, he wants to speak out of your life and my life too. Amen. Is he able to? Are you a voice for him? Are you a witness for him? Are you telling other people about him? Are you, hey, God may, may, God may use your life to call somebody to serve him in some special way. Man, I talk to people all the time. There's lay people in the church that God's used them to turn somebody's life around and they're on a mission field somewhere or they're just serving the Lord in, in miraculous ways. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say your life counts for God, no matter who you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, God wants to get glory out of your life. Amen. I remember when I first went in the ministry and um, you know, I'm 38 years of age going in the ministry. It was just a few years after I'd gotten started, and I was preaching in a, actually a church that I'm going to be at next Sunday in, uh, in Texas and near Fort Worth, and, and I was preaching a revival meeting for a preacher there, and, and uh, there was a guy came in and sat on the back row of the church. Their church has two, uh, just two sections of, uh, uh, of pews that go back, and it, it just a long, narrow, shotgun kind of style auditorium, and, and I got preaching that Sunday, and as I started preaching, somebody walked in and sat on the back row. And uh, man, he was a big old boy, and uh, he had a he had big old shaggy hair and a beard down to here, and he had biker leathers on, and he sat in the back row there. And and I preached that day, and I preached on revival, and I preached on hell, and I preached about needing to uh, be saved, and and uh, and so I gave the invitation at the end. I had everybody bow their heads, close their eyes, and and asked if there was anybody there that uh, weren't weren't sure f- that they were on their way to heaven, and and he raised his hand. I thought, huh? So. I, I gave the invitation, the altar call for people to come to the altar. And as, they, as I did, they, everybody stood up, everybody started, uh, people started coming. And this guy, his name is Lee, he got up and he started coming down the aisle. Man, he's a big old, he's like 6'3". Um, he's coming down the aisle and as he's getting closer, I can see he's shaking. I thought, man, is this guy going to hit me or what's he going to do? And, um, but as he got closer, I could see there's tears running down his beard and coming down off of his beard. He came up and he fell down at the altar here and I mean just collapsed on the altar and he's just crying out to the Lord and and I turned the service over to the preacher and i knelt beside him and I said Lee I said or I said I said buddy I said what's going on and he said he just started shaking his head he couldn't even talk and and I said I said what's your name and he finally choked out Lee and I said Lee what's going on I said I said Lee do you know what it means to be saved and he nodded his head and I said, are you saved? And he shook his head and he said, there's no way I could be saved, not the life that I'm living. He said, I said I was when I was younger, but I, long story short, I said, you know what, you know what needs to happen? And he said, yeah. And I said, you need to crawl out and ask the Lord to save you. And, and he did. And he, he got saved that morning. Um, literally, God's my witness. There, were, there, were, there was a little puddle of tears there where he was crying that day. He got up, uh, he had to go clean himself up. Preacher wanted him to shake hands with people, so he had to go clean himself up. And, and he comes, uh, comes back out and shakes hands with people and everything. And then we're at the back of the uh, auditorium there, and as, as everybody's filing out, he comes by, and I looked at him, and I said, Lee, I said, did you, did you really mean business with God today? He said, yes, I did. Amen. And I said, well, if you did, you'll be back tonight. He said, I'll be back tonight. And he brought his wife and his children. Actually... One of his children were there. That's the reason he came. He came because his little girl had been pressuring him. Daddy, would you please come? Daddy, we're having a special speaker. Daddy, would you? And that's why he came. Amen. She was already saved, but he brought his wife. He brought his son. They started coming. Uh, they came, they came every, every day of the revival. His son ended up getting saved that week. Uh, we went to visit their family on, on Thursday night after the revival was over and uh, I wanted to talk to his wife and uh, sat down with her. She claimed to be saved, said that she had been saved, but, but she had a lot of terrible things happen in her life. And she actually watched her mother, um, she watched her father kill her mother in front of her. Um, just some horrific things that she had to go through. And she said, but, Brother Martin, I'm saved. I, I know I got saved, but I just feel like the devil has a place in hell for me. And I said, listen, Laura, if, if you're saved, th- you did have a place, but that place is canceled. And, and God just wants you to live for him. And uh, I knew something was wrong, though. Come on, I'm going to step on some toes, probably some people here tonight. I knew something was wrong because it was around Halloween. And she had the whole house decorated up in Halloween stuff. And she said, Halloween's my favorite holiday. And I don't know a Christian that Halloween's your favorite holiday if you're really living for God so anyways, two months later, what happened? Well, Lee got involved in the church. I mean, he started going to church faithfully. And, and uh, uh, by the way, that night when we went to visit, he had went and cut his hair, got a real nice haircut and everything. We, he had asked us to pray for him to get a job. He got a job working in oil wells, got a really good job. They were, they're just, they were old druggies. They're, both of them, they were hooked on meth. But God changed them. God turned their life around. Yeah. Uh, two months later, I got a, a card in the mail from Laura, his wife. She said, Brother Martin, I had to send you a card and let you know I got saved. She said, you know, when you said that, and you, she said, I knew you knew I wasn't saved. She said, but I wanted to let you know I got saved. So what's happened to him? They got faithful in church, man. He went through the Bible Institute at their church, and, uh, and then he felt God called him to preach, and so and so Lee uh, ended up going to a Bible college down there uh, to get more training to, go to, 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 to be able to serve the Lord with his life. I mean, he was up there in years, too. You say, what's he doing today? He's an evangelist today. Amen. He's traveling around the country, uh, and mostly Texas, but he's traveling around. He's preaching in some other places around the country, uh, preaching the Word of God to people. Every now and then, he'll shoot me a little text, and he'll say, Brother Dan, just want to thank you. Never forget that day so many years ago. I think it's been like 17, 18 years ago now. And he said that that you uh, led me to the Lord and God changed my life. And God, hey, it wasn't about me, but it's about what God wanted to do in Lee's life. Can I share with you, God wants to use you in the same way. To help people, to encourage people. What, to, to call people so that God can call people out to serve him. God wants to do so much more in and through our lives. I was thinking about a uh, up there in Gaylord when I uh, was up there. There was a man who was a uh, he was one of the right hand men of Brother Jenkins. There one day I sat down and he shared his story with me. And he said, "You know," he said, "I went through a, a really tough time in my life." He said, to "My uh, yeah, he was a builder. He's a, one of the best builders in our in our." Uh, stayed up there I mean very well known but his wife uh, told him she was going to leave him and she did and she took the girl he had two girls she took the girls left him and filed a restraining order on him and everything and this is before he was saved he said "Uh, man I tell you I said I felt like it was all over with no reason for me to live Uh, I might as well just end this and get it over with he sat down at the table he took a pistol. This guy's a big time hunter, too, by the way. Uh, he's, a, he's actually a guide in Alaska. He guides in Alaska. So he took a pistol and he sat down at the table. And he said, Brother Dan, I, I sat there with that pistol and I kind of spun it around and looking at it. And he said, I just said, God, if you're really there, you better do something to show me real quick. Because if not, I'm going to end it right now. And he said, I sat there for a couple minutes. And he said, all of a sudden I heard a rumble. And I thought, what is that? Well, he lived way off the road. And he said, as the rumble got louder, he realized it was a muffler on a vehicle. Well, it was Brother Jenkins. (laughs) When they were first starting the church. And Brother Jenkins was driving out the country, knocking on doors and trying to win people. And he's driving up the driveway. His muffler was hanging on with a, come on, some of you guys have done this too. A coat hanger, had it tied up there. And it was a it was banging and clanging and he come up and knock on the door and, and he said, man, he said, I went to the door and thought, who is this? Right in the middle of what I, I'm going to get this over with. And, and he said, he said, my name is John Jenkins and starting a little church over here, trying to get people to come out to church. He said, I couldn't believe it. He said, I told him, well, you came to the right place. Come on in. He said, I shared with him what, what about to do? And he said, preacher led me to the Lord that night. Uh, He became a key, integral part of that church up there. What do you mean? Just being a soul winner, just preacher being a soul winner, just brought him to that uh, uh, the place where God was able to use his life to call out somebody else to to serve him with their life. Amen. God wants to do the same for you and I. And lastly, why the bush was not burnt? (laughs) Simply because God wasn't done with it yet. What do you mean? Some of you may be sitting here tonight thinking, well, why am I, you know, why am I where I'm at right now? What's going on? What's it? Because God's not done with your life yet. Amen. amen. There's some of you older people here. You sit here and you say, why am I even here? I mean, I just wish God would just take me out of here. Don't say that. Don't say that. Why? God's got you here for a purpose and for a reason. Amen. Amen. He still wants to use your life. He's still trying to draw attention to himself. He's trying to work through your life to draw people to him. God wasn't done with it yet. No matter where you are, no matter what you've been through, you're going through, you're still, you still have and you're still breathing, so God isn't done with you yet. I remember years ago, well, I got saved in the hills of North Carolina. I've probably shared my testimony here before at a family reunion. My mom had 11 brothers and sisters, and whenever we'd go down there and spend time with them, they'd get together. They'd get singing old hymns and everything, and, man, they'd play the instruments. They had had banjo and the fiddle and all that other stuff, and they they couldn't read music. They couldn't read, period, but they couldn't read music, but, man, they could play them instruments, man, and they'd get to singing and everything, and, boy, as a little uh, 9-year-old boy, my Uncle Charlie. My Uncle Charlie got up. He was one of those old uh, leather-long-wind-sucking preachers, and he got up and started preaching that night right in the middle of a family reunion. And God pricked my heart that I was lost and I needed a Savior and I got saved. Uncle Charlie was a a preacher back in those days. He's a fireball preacher. But something happened in Uncle Charlie's life. There was something that went on and it wasn't a full-blown affair thing, but something between him and a woman. And so Uncle Charlie, he was a very humble person. He backed out of the ministry. But it caused him to back away from church for a long, long time. I remember going down and thanking him for preaching the gospel that night at a family reunion for me to be able to get saved. And and then when God called me to the ministry, I thought about my Uncle Charlie. Man, I respected him. He was Yes, he wasn't right where he was at one time, but he was a guy I knew I could trust to talk to. Man, I went back to him and and I said, Uncle Charlie, I feel like maybe God's calling me to preach. Just an old backwoods preacher. And I'm telling you what, he had the power of God on his life. Yeah. And, and he said, uh, he said son, he said, I'll just give you a couple pieces of advice. He gave me the best advice that I received from anybody. I counseled with a bunch of preachers. He gave me the best. What are you saying? God wasn't done with him yet. Yeah. Something might have happened in your life. You may not be where you once were. Let me tell you something, God still wants to use your life. You're still breathing. He's still trying to work through you to bring honor and glory to himself. If God had used a donkey, if God had used the rocks, if God had used a little bush to bring glory to himself, do you not believe that his desire is to use your life to bring honor and glory to him too? Again, if God for us, who can be against us? Are you saved tonight? Are you born again? Are you a child of God? That's the most important thing, getting to the place where you realize he's not just your creator, but he wants to be your father. Amen. And secondly, are you yielded to him? Even in whatever it is that you're going through or whatever you've been through, that God, my life is yours to control, do whatever you want to do with it. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here tonight and speak to your dear people. And and Lord, I do pray that you would help us to contemplate as i read that t- t- life's time clock help us to contemplate where our life is right now and where we're at where we're at with you and lord help us to take to heart the message this evening are you getting glory out of our life that was all that was your desire with that little bush was to simply get the attention get the glory call people unto you just use it for for you and for your pleasure God, if we, don't, if we don't have that in order in our life tonight, I pray that you'd help us to get some things straightened out. With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you say, Brother Martin, God spoke to me. I needed that message tonight. Would you remember me in prayer? You'd slip a hand up. That's me, Brother Martin. I see those hands. I appreciate you being honest. Is there maybe one that'd say, Brother Martin, I'm not sure if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I want to know that. Would you pray for me, anybody at all? I sure want to be God's child. I don't know for sure I'm going to go. I see that hand. Anybody else? Pray for me, Brother Martin. Pray for me. Boy, now's the time for you to come. If you're not sure, you come now, and we'll, we'll help have somebody take the Bible and share with you how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. Let's stand to our feet with heads bowed. God spoke to your heart. The altar's open. Maybe, maybe it's just a good night to come and rededicate yourself to the Lord, rededicate your life to the Lord. Say, God, take my life and use it. Control me. Make me what you want me to be. Speak through me. Do whatever you want to do. May my life be for your glory. Father, please bless the altar time. Have your will and way. I pray for the one young lady that raised her hand, that somebody's dealing with her now. I pray that she would know for sure in her heart she's on her way to heaven. Lord, help us to be yielded to you. God, use us for your glory, I pray. Just like you did a little old bush to call one of the greatest leaders that ever walked the face of the earth. For it's in Christ's name we pray. You take the time you need.